The Truth News Network. When the official line is that vaccinations will save lives and the real numbers surface that more are dying from the injection than the virus. When the official line is that vaccinations will protect us all and the numbers surface that the unvaccinated are not the ones dying, it may be time to check your facts. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And checking facts is what we do. The man doing it is Dan Newman. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the first Friday of the new year. Did you realize that? Yeah, this is Friday, first Friday, 2022. Well, we made it. That's another way of thinking about it. Well, listen, folks, there are so many things on our plate today, so many things we need to discuss. Of course, January 6, 2021 was a day that will go on in history in infamy, that famous statement from the president, FDR, when Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, began that part of World War II for us. That truly was a day in infamy. Regarding January 6, 2021, to be honest with you, depends on who you talk to about what happened, what really went on on January 6th. It depends on who's telling the story. Were all those people at the Capitol, were they protesters? Were they insurrectionists? Were they those evil white supremacists? The thousands of our fellow citizens who went to the Capitol a year ago and their intentions on that day have been described in many ways. Were they there to have their voices heard? Were they there to register their concerns over the November 3rd, 2021 election accuracy? Were they there to overthrow the government? Well, folks, the narrative of that day depends on who's telling the story. The loudest narrative, the one that demonizes the attendees, comes from our federal government, from our politicians, and from most media outlets. The people who can best tell the other side of the story are still suffering the consequences of that day. Four people, every one of the four, a Donald Trump supporter, died. Some attendees are still in prison. Some have been getting visits from the FDI. You heard Steve Baker yesterday. He spent the entire two hours telling us the true story from his perspective. He was there as a photojournalist. And uh, he didn't do anything wrong other than go into the Capitol. And now he's being hunted down by the Department of Justice. Rick Sacconi and his wife, they rode a bus filled with Pennsylvanians to Washington in support of President Trump. He said it was mostly senior citizens peacefully demonstrating. People were dancing, singing. One man was dressed up like Uncle Sam and was walking on stilts in the crowd. Sacconi said, they had no knowledge of any violence until they got back on the bus and headed home. Sacconi of Allegheny County is a former Pennsylvania state legislator, a retired Air Force officer, current candidate for Pennsylvania lieutenant governor. 
His being in Washington on January 6th is low-hanging fruit for media outlets that are trying to impose an unflattering lens on his campaign. Go figure that. But he says he's not bothered by their efforts. You have the media twisting this story. It's a deflection of what happened in Portland and Seattle. That is the definition of an insurrection. Nothing has happened with that. He's talking about the rioters who attacked each night over and over and over federal buildings in those cities and tried to set them on fire. That sounds like insurrection. January 6, 2021, not so much. Since that day, there have been multiple investigations, calls for the public to turn in those who attended, home visits even from the FBI, bunch of arrests, over 700 people, and for some, long prison stays. It has a chilling effect on the First Amendment. We can't have that in this country. Folks, we have the right to challenge our political leaders. All those First Amendment rights are being challenged by a little bitty minority of left-wing media that are monopolizing the narrative, which is why we have to speak out and correct that. Too many people, including elected Republicans, are cowering. They're scared to death. We're going to tell the truth about January 6th. We're going to flip the narrative. Our founders didn't cower in fear. They stood up for their rights. The truth is, a half million people exercised their First Amendment rights that day. The ones who got violent, we can't find a single one, folks, not a single one that was a Trump supporter. A story about Ned Lang of Sullivan County, New York. He's not seen his son, Jake, who's 26, since Christmas of 2020. Why? Jake's been in prison since January 13th, 2021, charged with assaulting a police officer that day. When Ned first heard the charges, he was so disappointed that he refused to even talk to his son. He didn't raise him that way, and he figured, you do the crime, you do the time. But Jake begged his dad to hear his story. He said, please, Dad, just look at the videos. I saved this man's life. I was there when Roseanne Boylan died. The police attacked us. We weren't doing anything wrong. They attacked us for no reason. It's difficult to discern what is happening in the videos, which can be seen online at j6truth.org. The Capitol Police did not respond for any comment. They won't talk to anybody about any of this. In some of those videos, it's clear that Boylan, 34, was on the ground. In some other media reports, Capitol Police say she was being trampled. Police went into the crowd to save her when they were attacked by protesters. Protesters say she was beaten by police with a baton and they were trying to stop the cops. He said, she said, who's telling the story, right? Ultimately, law enforcement dragged her into the Capitol building where she died. Her death was blamed on a drug overdose, but her family has publicly questioned the cause. Jake was among those folks who intervened for Ms. Boylan. After the rally, he went on to Orange County, New York, where 
on the afternoon of January 13th, about 15 federal agents broke in his door and arrested him. My son has not had a haircut, no shave in a year. Ned saying this about his boy. He's Jewish and has not been allowed to go to synagogue. Ned saw his son during a September court bail hearing. He described his boy's condition as thin, with a scraggly beard that touches his chest, hair down below his collar. Jake hasn't even been offered bail yet. He's been offered a deal that includes 10 years in prison. Just a note here. 90% of all federal charges, criminal charges against anybody and everybody, 90% of those charges never result in going to court. Why is that? The feds don't have the time for that. They want to get just as nasty and ugly and throw so much at these people they're going after. Here's what it's for, folks. They want to cut a deal. They want to negotiate a deal. So they throw the book at you. And they just point blank tell you, we're not going to negotiate any of this. We're going to go to trial. And it may be a year or two before you go to trial, and we're contemplating fighting bail. All that means, folks, is money. Money and time. There's really no option for these people they're charging. In every one of those 90% of cases that don't go to trial, guess what is demanded? and will not be left out of any deal. You must plead guilty. Ned said, we're not doing that. You have all these folks in Portland, Seattle, the summer riots in Washington that were actually attacking cops, trying to burn down federal buildings and all the horrible things that they were doing. My son and the rest of the J6 Patriots are being harshly persecuted by the same folks that are letting all these other real insurrectionists just walk away after doing some type of crime or even worse than what we saw play out on January 6, 2021. My son was in 202 days of solitary confinement. Ned said the water in solitary was so dirty, so rusty, he had to strain the water with a sock just to be able to drink it or use it at all. It was pure brown and full of dust. He was in total isolation. Just before the rally this summer, the whole Patriot unit was locked in their cells for 24-7 for two weeks. Prisoners at this correctional treatment facility in Washington are able to communicate with family through electronic tablets, although Jake has not had communication privileges for a few weeks recently, his dad said. He's proud of Jake for standing up and enduring this pain with the knowledge that one day they will be able to tell the true story what happened on January 6th. I don't care what side of politics you're on. I don't care, folks. I don't care if you're conservative, if you're liberal, if you're progressive, if you're libertarian. I don't give a rip. It's not okay for any government to just pick you up off the street with whatever charges they want to put against you and not give you bail. Right now, there's bail reform going on throughout the country, and these people are being politically persecuted just because 
They're Trump supporters. That's not okay. Today, it's our sons and daughters. Tomorrow, when you have a different government with a different political philosophy, it could be your sons and daughters. Vladimir Putin said this very famously. For the first time ever, America has political prisoners. America no longer has a high ground to justify punishing another country because of their political persecution of their citizens. America now is doing the exact same thing. That's from Russian president, former KGB officer, Vladimir Putin said that about us for the first time ever, if you didn't hear me. He said, for the first time ever, America has political prisoners. America no longer has a high ground to justify punishing another country because of political persecution of their citizens, as America now is doing the same thing. I could go on and on and on, giving you story after story after story after story. Listen, what I'm about to tell you, what I'm about to talk to you about is simply talking to you about it. This is not written. This is not a speech. This is the confluence of a lot of outside and inside information, reading, listening, debating, and coming up with some semblance of truth, factual things that I can sink my teeth into. Folks, for years now, conservatives have been sitting in the United States and we have been hoping and waiting for someone, some group, maybe just one person to come into government leadership that would have the bully pulpit and would take that pulpit every day and speak facts to the American people. That always comes in the form of a U.S. president. For most conservatives, Donald Trump was the first real conservative to serve in the White House in an awful long time. And I don't want to get into anything about the Bushes. or That's not what this is about. And the reason there are so many Trump supporters today, not in total, but a huge majority, is because during his four years, not only did he give Americans a whole laundry list of promises of things he would do if if he was elected and when he was elected, he would do them. In my memory, I I don't have any cognizant recollection of any other president that did what Donald Trump did. What, what did he do, Dan? He did what he promised he was going to do if he was elected. He did everything he could within his power as president to fulfill every promise he made. The only ones that he didn't fulfill are the ones he could not because Congress didn't back him up. Folks, talking a good game, what that is, is simply politics. Doing a good job is leadership. There's no leadership in this government. There wasn't leadership in the two administrations before Trump, which were both Barack Obama and Joe Biden. Eight years of that. No leadership. It was divisiveness. It was sowing seeds of untruth. I am tired of hearing people now talking about what is going on among free Americans 
that don't like top-down egregious pushing into every area of our life by the United States government and are finally saying, we've had enough. Authoritarian? They're actually telling us that because you're conservative and you want the government back, you want the control that this U.S. Constitution gave solely to the American people, not to the government, but to the American people, we want it back. You, Mr. Biden, you, Mr. Schumer, you, Ms. Pelosi, you, Vice President Harris, you are the authoritarians that without any apology are doing exactly what Vladimir Putin and his ilk have been doing for three generations. Screw personal rights. We're the government. We are going to say what we want to say, and we're going to do what we want to do, regardless of the law, regardless of the will of the American people that we supposedly serve. That matters no more. We are in the process of finishing the fulfillment of turning one entire generation of Americans not to the middle politically, but to the far left, where they and we disdain what we say we're here to support and keep going, which is democratic, republic, representative government. They're not doing what they're saying. They're not believing what they're saying they believe. It's name-calling and nothing else. You heard, if you didn't yesterday, you've got to, two hours of Steve Baker that illustrates exactly what we're talking about now. And what are we talking about now? We're talking about what happened January 6th, 2021, without telling stories. So as you can imagine, the vice president and the president, they felt like they had to weigh in and set the facts straight because they know everything that happened on January 6th and why. Here's about two minutes of the pair doing their thing yesterday. First, Vice President Kamala Harris. On that day, I was not only vice president-elect, I was also a United States senator the gates of the Capitol were breached. I had left the values. We cannot let our future be decided by those bent on silencing our voices. Did you hear what she just said? We can't let those people that we're shutting up and not giving them a voice, we can't let them tell us that we've got to shut up. That's not what's trying to happen. Americans are fed up with being top-down governed by people who do not believe in First Amendment rights and want to steal them while they're still telling all this young generation that's coming up, the second generation. They're telling them every day, your mom and dad, oh, they when they say, They're conservatives, or when they talk about more power to the people, that's insurrection. That's authoritarian. 
But Harris wasn't finished. The strength of democracy is that it empowers the people. Will it be remembered as a moment that accelerated the unraveling of the oldest, greatest democracy in the world? The unraveling. Did what happened on January 6, 2021, did it unravel anything? No. They're scared to death today because it exposed a lot of things. Something that most Americans from my generation and a couple after my generation really are hungering for now. Give us facts. Let us see for ourselves. Let us hear for ourselves. And it's the government that has hundreds of people that were at the Capitol a little over a year ago now, a year and a day. They were there expressing their First Amendment rights. They were not involved in violence. You know how many guns were there among those insurrectionists that day, which is estimated to be, what, 10,000, 20,000, whatever the number is. How many guns were found? The only guns that were there were Capitol Cops and later on the Metro D.C. Cops. The only shooting that happened that day One woman was shot and killed, shot by a Capitol policeman. She was white. He's African-American. Ashley Babbitt is her name. Video galore, which you can't find now, but we thankfully downloaded it a year ago. It shows Ashley Babbitt getting killed. She was inside the Capitol. This cop was behind her. She was unarmed, had nothing in her hands. And she was trying to get through an opening that had been broken down. The cop from the left and behind her, maybe 20 feet, shot her in the neck, the back of her neck, severed an artery, and she bled out on the floor. Have you heard a lot about Ashley Babbitt? She was an armed insurrectionist. You don't hear anything about her. Well, let me tell you this. The D.C. medical examiner who determines after autopsies when somebody's killed, somebody dies in some kind of violent act, the specialist, you know what her official cause of death was, according to him, the official report? Homicide. She was murdered by a cop. The man was never arrested. He hasn't been investigated. He hasn't been taken off the case We know very little about him. You know why? He's part of the government, the U.S. government, the Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Capitol Police Force. Well, what Harris had to say was bad enough. And then the president took the stage, and he gave us some of his amazing presidential wisdom. Madam Vice President, fellow Americans, to state the obvious, one year ago today, democracy was attacked. The real history, the real facts, the real truth, we shall know the truth. Well, here is the God's truth, waving for the first time inside this Capitol. Confederate flag that symbolized the cause to destroy America. 
How dare anyone, anyone, diminish, belittle, or deny the hell they were put through? We saw with our own eyes. This wasn't a group of tourists. This was an armed insurrection. Now, let me ask you this. If Donald Trump, the day after, oh, let's just say, Minneapolis burned, or the next day after Minneapolis burned, or the next day after Minneapolis burned, or even after the three months nightly when Portland, Oregon burned, cops were attacked. We have federal policemen, folks, who were blinded purposely in their service in Portland trying to protect the federal building there from Antifa thugs that have been permanently disabled. Several of them were permanently blinded for life. That wasn't an insurrection. Those people weren't prosecuted for anything. In Minneapolis, yeah, they popped a couple of people on the local level. Over a billion dollars worth of damage done to property in Minneapolis. That wasn't an insurrection. That was people just legally expressing their First Amendment rights. And the President of the United States made it very clear what was happening on January 6th. No question now at all. This wasn't a group of tourists. This was an armed insurrection. No guns. Except the cops. No guns, no weapons. It was an armed insurrection. What did we tell you when we started this? It only matters who's telling the story. I challenge you. Yesterday, Steve Baker painstakingly shared details, good and bad. He is not, has never been a big Trump supporter. He's not even a Trump supporter at all. He was there as a true journalist. You've got to listen to that show. Now, let me tell you, there are several ways to get it. You can go to today's, there are two front page stories at truthnewsnet.org. One of them has got a picture of um, the barriers outside the Capitol. With This was late when it got very, very, very uh, uh, cantankerous, just back and forth. Capital cops and people that were there, the protesters. That picture down at the bottom is yesterday's show, TNN Live. Every show, right after the show's complete at 11 o'clock Central every day, they are picked up in the podcast section of Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcast, and Stitcher. So you can go there, and in the search bar, you just type in TNN Live, which is the name of the show. And a whole index of all our shows will pop up. The most recent one, which would be yesterday's, is at the top. And it says in there, it is an interview, two-hour interview with Steve Baker, journalist Steve Baker. You have got to listen to it from front to back. And it's two hours long, I know. That's a long time to do or hear anything, but you're going into the weekend. Cut it up in segments. Listen to it in your car. Listen to a little bit now and a little bit later. It's all factual. It's not 
partisan thuggery. It's not trying to convince Americans that protesting, exercising free speech is a constitutional protected right. And those same people that are pointing their fingers at anybody that disagrees with the federal government, calling them insurrectionists, armed insurrectionists. What you just heard is the President of the United States tell the American people in a really very important public message about a bad day in the history of the United States. And folks, he's lying. Joe Biden is lying. This wasn't a group of tourists. This was an armed insurrection. If there was any insurrection there, it would be from those, by those, who swore an oath wearing a badge of the United States of America, and they're there to protect the rule of law, the elements of the United States Constitution. And yet they were there and still are doing their best to take the rights of Americans away just because they're in charge. We're just getting started. It gets deeper. Meet Phil Sklar, co-founder of the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum. Our dream is to make Milwaukee, Wisconsin the bobblehead capital of the world. At American Family Insurance, we believe your dreams are the most valuable things you will ever own. So today, we're supporting Phil's dream. If people would like to be a part of the bobblehead dream, we take donations in money or bobbleheads. Every dream deserves a champion. Find yours at AmFam.com. American Family Insurance. American Family Mutual Insurance Company and its affiliates. 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin, 53783. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's Quality Guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online.
not the Trump train. <laughs> this is Join the Love Train. It's kind of ironic that that song was coming out of that break. We're talking about totalitarianism and fascism and autocracy. Let me give you an example of this conundrum that we're dealing with now. Our government trying, doing their best every day to sell Americans on the fact that the Republican Party or anybody that's not an activist in the Democrat Party is a fascist. Representative Jamie Raskin, he's a Democrat from Maryland, they had this vigil yesterday at the Capitol. They call it the Remembrance and Action Candlelight Vigil. And by the way, Antifa sponsored it. Put it together, Antifa. Their keynote speaker, Representative Jamie Raskin, a Democrat from Maryland. And here's what he said, among other things, that Republicans are the shrinking minority party standing with the most authoritarian, fascist elements of the entire country. Raskin opened his speech at the vigil to claim that many pro-law enforcement Americans are phony. Now understand this, Jamie Raskin's attorney, he said many pro-law enforcement Americans are phony. He asked rhetorically, and where are those phony defenders of law enforcement who only rear their ugly heads when some racist cop beats up an African-American citizen? We don't hear from them about January 6th, do we? Raskin backs the Justice in Policing Acts, which would weaken law enforcement's qualified immunity, make it harder for law enforcement to operate. He then proclaimed that most young Americans back the Democrat Party, while the Republican Party allegedly has backed the most authoritarian elements of America. He said, the young people are on our side. The new Americans are on our side. They are a shrinking minority party standing with the most authoritarian fascist elements in the entire country. He then cheered old Representative Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney because those are the only two Republicans on Nancy Pelosi's January 6th select committee. And he applauded them, they're two Republicans now, for standing up for democracy. Kinzinger and Cheney, they are both never-Trump Republicans. They serve on that committee, and they are, no surprise, frequent critics of Trump. Raskin also said Republicans have control over many levers of the anti-democratic power, such as gerrymandering, those congressional districts. You know, all the districts change every 10 years when the census comes out. You know, the census... It's racist, right? Oh, yeah, it's going to be anti-Democrat party, pro-Republican. Anything that happens at all on the planet that does not fall in line and be solely for the benefit of the leaders of the Democrat party in the United States of America, there's only one reason why that happened. It's because everybody that thinks differently from us is racist, is authoritarian. Representatives Pramia Jayapal from Washington, who is the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, of course she's a Democrat, and Andy Kim, also a Democrat from New Jersey, spoke at the vigil. More than 100 activist groups hosted the candlelight vigil, 
including shut down D.C. That group was founded in 2019 as an anti-fascist organization to, quote, respond to the youth climate strikes call to action. The group is committed to anti-oppressive principles, transformative justice, and sustainable organizing. They're the ones that organized that protest outside of Senator Josh Hawley's home in Missouri in January of last year, in which the Antifa group, that's what shut down D.C. is, an Antifa group, threatened, literally threatened his wife and kids. Patrick Young is an organizer of shutdown D.C. He defended what they do. The group asked Hawley if the senator would be home on January 4th because they were thinking of paying him a visit. They also harassed Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain, and Senator Lindsey Graham. D.C. police arrested 24 shut-down D.C. protesters outside Ron Klain's house in August of last year. They surrounded Lindsey Graham's house, calling on him to oppose then-Supreme Court Justice nominee Amy Coney Barrett's nomination in September 2020. Senator Josh Hawley wrote a letter to Pelosi and to Chuck Schumer calling on them to condemn this candlelight vigil. I won't even go into his letter. Do you understand what's happening in all of this? They are taking the true narrative and they're copying and pasting it. They're they're copying it from the Republican, the freedom, justice under all, the rule of law. They're copying from that page, turning the page to the Democrat Party's talking points and are pasting them there. And they're pointing their fingers at everything bad that happens in America, everything that's egregious. It doesn't matter. If people are getting shot, it must be the cops. They're instigating all this stuff. If people are getting angry, if people are protesting, if people are doing anything, they've got to be fascist if it's against our causes, if they go against us. Let me tell you this, folks. Many Americans, many conservatives have been content to sit idly by and just pray for a leader to come, to look for Moses to come to Egypt and lead us, a people, out of captivity, bondage, and slavery, and authoritarian rule. Deliver us from that, which is really what we have now in Washington, D.C. You have a sycophant in the White House that doesn't remember to put on the same color socks, or even if he's wearing underwear today, He's the president. You have Chuck Schumer, who is one of the most evil people that have ever lived. And then he's running the Senate, Nancy Pelosi. I don't know if she and Satan are close friends, but I promise you this. They have each other on speed dial. She's running the House of Representatives. What chance, what chance does the American people have for any type of realistic constitutional truthful government to happen in this scenario. We should not be surprised. Are we still content to sit back and just let what is happening continue? Or are we willing to stand up and say something? 
You don't have to necessarily get out and protest. That's not what I'm talking about. But do you know how I and tens of millions of others learned about the decisions to make about politics? Do you know how I learned that? I was given information, not partisan information. And I asked questions and I looked for facts. You know why I did that? My dad and my mom taught me to do that. We have a generation now. Moms and dads aren't teaching them anything. We send them off to school. What are they learning at school? Well, even though they tell us over and over again, there's no critical race theory curriculum in America. It's everywhere, folks. They're passing laws requiring critical race theory to be input in curriculum at public schools to receive taxpayer funding. It's happening. But they're telling people there's no critical race theory being taught. It is in every public school system in the nation. How did that happen? We turned all that over to our political leaders, teacher unions, and these administrators and teachers that were born in, raised in, living in, totalitarian, top-down, administrative state is what we have at every level of the government right now. So I'm going to give you one piece of advice and we're going to move on with this. Stop looking for a savior. I mean, besides the savior, Jesus Christ, stop looking for a government savior to step in. Don't expect Donald Trump to come back and be the end all of everything, that everything is going to be great. Should Donald Trump find a way to get back in public office of any kind? Do you think his four years were tough for him to get anything done? I got to be honest with you. I was shocked that he lived for four years. I felt like there'd be some nut job that would take him out. I was so thankful. I pray today, every day for President Biden. I don't care who's leading this nation. I want whoever that is to do the best that they can possibly do. And I pray for that. I I, I prayed for that for Donald Trump. I don't care who is ever elected president. I'll do the same thing. I want the pilot that's flying the ship, the jet, I want him to be successful getting us to wherever that jet's supposed to go, if I'm on the jets especially. But folks, there is no longer a slot, an opportunity, a way for one person to do it. It isn't going to happen. If we're going to straighten this thing out, folks, we're going to have to get our hands dirty. We're going to have to get in the fight. We're going to have to express ourselves. We're going to have to stop trying to fit in with our social groups in which Maybe the conservative theory is not accepted or appreciated and they don't want anybody to be a part of it if they think that way. And so you just go and they have no idea that you may be a conservative. That's got to stop. That's got to stop. Our forefathers, do you understand that our forefathers were called into service to defend the United States of America for being attacked by other nations. And these men and women volunteered to give their lives 
thousands of them did give their lives, and they did it because they wanted to protect the United States, not rip it apart. We should not have to look or think any farther than what happened in 2020 in the summer when the streets were full of people that called themselves anti-fascist and were ripping this nation apart, burning it, beating up people, shooting people, scaring people to death, destroying billions of dollars of physical property. That is okay? Well, of course that's not okay. As far as it looks to me, that was acceptable by this government. We have a very, very tiny, tiny percentage of people on police forces around the nation that have a problem, and they act out that. A, a very few. And yes, occasionally somebody gets shot, and occasionally it's a white cop that shoots a person of color. None of those circumstances are okay. None of that is acceptable, period, folks. But you know what? That's not a racial thing. That's not a political thing. It's a legal thing and should be nothing but a legal thing. Anybody that breaks the law, novel idea. I don't care who you are. If you're a cop, if you're, let's say, a president of the United States, or if you're a mayor or a governor, or if you own a grocery store, or a bicycle messenger service, and you commit a crime, you should pay according to the law for the crime that you broke and pay the price that is included in that law that you broke, which was passed either at the local level by your city, your parish, your county, or your state government, or at the federal government passed by the United States Congress and Senate and signed into law. Every single time. Anybody that doesn't want that process to happen, that is being an authoritarian. When somebody, not the founding document that is controlled by the people of the United States, not that, but by a small group of political sycophants that get together and they just start this thing, like the critical race theory thing. You know how stupid that whole thing is? It's about anti-racism, stopping racism. You know what their cure-all in critical race theory is? Use racism to kill or stop racism. That makes a whole lot of sense to me, but do you know they have taught millions of American public school students Believe that. Why? Because the people that we turn them over to to be educated, the people we pay to teach our kids how to live, teach them history, teach them math, teach them English, social studies, we pay them to teach them. And they are. They're teaching them that white people are bad. Anybody that is not a person of color is bad, and white people need to be punished for what? For being white. Does that not sound to you like racism? The seed of critical race theory is racism. 
And that's just one example, just one. And the far left, they just keep, I'm, I'm getting text after text after text uh, from listeners this morning. I'm, you know, I guess you can tell I'm a little bit upset, but you know what? We're speaking facts here. We're speaking truth here. Anytime you want to weigh in, express or question, do it. Call toll-free 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. Folks, the Republican Party and the purveyors of the Republican Party, the filthy rich billionaires in America, and there's nothing bad about money. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money. All of those people have been consumed with the lust for power and more power. And they weaponize anything and everything that they can possibly use against their political opponents. Example, Chuck Schumer. He's using yesterday's anniversary of the January 6th event to seize political power permanently. Listen to this. Two members of Congress released a joint statement after Schumer signaled that he's going to seek to change that filibuster rule in the Senate to pass the Freedom to Vote Act, which would mandate that states have early in mail-in voting. And by the way, that would give all of the operation of all elections in the United States to the federal government. Robertson Anderson said that Schumer continues to use the anniversary of the January 6th protest as his basis for passing anti-voter legislation such as the Freedom to Vote Act. Now, there's a conundrum there. They call it an anti-voter legislation. That's what it is. But what the Democrats call it as the Freedom to Vote Act. Anderson and Roberts said, in 2021, state lawmakers ushered in smart and transparent election integrity reforms, making it easy to vote, but hard to cheat. Now, this work should be commended. I, I, I think it's a great idea. As voter integrity and trust in our elections are the cornerstone, the bedrock of the American democracy. Instead, the leftist elitists, they spent all of 2021 creating another false narrative of voter disenfranchisement and voter suppression as Democrat leaders in the media tried to convince everybody in America reforms such as voter ID or what? Racist. Racist. We played you that interview of a slew of California people at Berkeley University, white people, all elitist because it cost a buttload of money to go there, and asked them about voter ID. Every one of those white people said, it's racist. Voter ID is racist. And then the same reporter (laughs) went to New York City, went to a black community, almost totally black in New York City, and asked a whole slew of African Americans about voter ID. Is it racist? Not a single one said it was racist. And almost every one of them were insulted that anybody would say having a voter ID is racist. Every one of them pretty much said You can't go anywhere, do anything without voter ID. And every black person I know has had a voter ID forever and ever and ever. 80 plus percent of African Americans think voter ID is fine and that we need it to vote. 
But that's a false narrative that even Chuck Schumer is using to try to change, do away with the filibuster who he himself, we've played the sound bites from less than 10 years ago when Schumer was standing up blasting any Republican that wanted to do away with the filibuster and his reasoning was all they want to do with it is have total control so that the minority, which at that time was the Democrat Party, has no say-so. The narrative flips a little bit when the majority in the Senate flips a little bit too, right? Oh my gosh. And then on the other side of this, Democrats are using January 6th, and this probably will not surprise you, to find ways, they are actively exploring ways to keep Donald Trump from running for office again, and the purpose for doing so is because of January 6th. During the whole year, the past year, a handful of Democrats who call themselves constitutional scholars and pro-democracy advocates have been quietly exploring how a very not well-known post-Civil War amendment to the Constitution might be used to disqualify Trump from ever holding office again. Calls for Congress to take steps to strip him of his eligibility, which reached a crescendo in the aftermath of the January 6th protest, have since stopped. But those who remain engaged on the issue say discussions about applying Section 3 of the 14th Amendment have been ongoing. If anything, the idea has waxed and waned. That's from Lawrence Tribe, who's one of those constitutional experts. He's at Harvard Law School. You see them bring him out on any controversial legal issue. He said, I hear it being raised with considerable frequency these days both by media commentators and by members of Congress and their staffs, some of whom have sought my advice on how to implement Section 3. About a dozen Democrat lawmakers have spoken either publicly or privately during the last year about how Section 3 of the 14th Amendment might apply to anybody who engaged in insurrection on January 6th. Among those, obviously, you heard a little bit from him earlier, Jamie Raskin. He sits on that select committee. Jerry Nadler, Democrat of New York. We call him very lovingly here, the Penguin. He chairs the powerful House Judiciary Committee. And Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Democrat of Florida. Three people with amazing credibility and integrity, right? I continue to explore all legal paths to ensure that the people who tried to subvert our democracy are not in charge of it, Wasserman Schultz said. Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which was ratified shortly after the Civil War, it says that office holders who, quote, have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same are disqualified from future office. Raskin, by the way, is a former constitutional law professor. He served as House manager doing Trump's impeachment trial over his role in the January 6th attack. Days after, oh, by the way, he was acquitted. Trump was acquitted. So he wasn't, by the Congress, by the Congress, he was not an insurrectionist. But that, you know, facts don't matter. 
Raskin discussed the constitutional provision in a press interview after that acquittal came from the U.S. Senate on Trump's impeachment, saying Trump was right in the bullseye middle of that group. The point is that the constitutional purpose is clear to keep people exactly like Donald Trump and other traitors to the union from holding public office. That's what Raskin said. Most constitutional scholars, they think the provision is not self-executing, in practical terms what that means, that applying Section 3 to Trump would require an additional step by lawmakers to make the 14th Amendment work. Some of those believe that Congress, by a simple majority in both chambers, could act on its own to find Trump engaged in insurrection, which would implicate the constitutional provision. Under the 14th Amendment, restoring Trump's eligibility would require a supermajority vote. In other words, they want to kind of twist and turn and use not what is put in that amendment, but what they can inject what was meant by the writers of that amendment to try to keep Trump from running again. The only problem is, folks, who decides if what anybody did on January 6, 2021 was an act of insurrection? I don't think that is defined in the U.S. Constitution. With all of the other stuff going on in our lives, folks, can you believe we're having this conversation? Can you believe these kind of things are being considered? And let me let me just show you, let me just let you listen to how desperate the left is. You know that Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney, um, Republican representative from Wisconsin, her dad was Dick Cheney, served under both of the Bush Bush the Elder and Bush the Younger's administrations. He was vice president for Bush 43. Liz is his daughter, Republicans, all rhinos, Republican in name only. And she's one of the two turncoats that agreed to serve on that committee, not because normal process of committee structure has to be approved by whoever is the leader of that political party that person is in to serve on a committee or do anything. In this case, it would be California Representative Kevin McCarthy, who was the minority leader in the House. McCarthy, as his normal process by House rules, he presented a slate of Republicans to serve on that committee. For the first time in American history, a House speaker said, "Uh uh-uh, you can't do it. She handpicked two, Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, to quote-unquote represent the Republican causes on the committee. Both of them outwardly hate Trump hate everything, hate every Trump supporter, hate anything and everything that Donald Trump was for. So they're exhaustively looking for ways and things to stop Trump. And this came out yesterday. Listen closely to this report and then listen to Liz Cheney. All right, this breaking news, the January 6th committee says it has critical first-hand testimony about former President Trump's words and actions during the siege on the Capitol nearly one year ago. Just listen to committee vice chair Liz Cheney. Critical information. Keep that. The committee has first-hand testimony now that he was sitting in the dining room next to the Oval Office watching the attack on television. We have first-hand testimony uh, that his daughter, testimony, uh, that his daughter Ivanka, 
uh, went in at least twice uh, to ask him to please stop this violence. At the same time the violent assault was happening, he's watching television. He's also calling at least one senator urging delay of the electoral vote. All right, let's go to straight uh, straight to uh, Melanie Zanona on Capitol Hill now. Uh, so, Melanie, uh, divulge a little bit more here. I mean, you know, at the very least, this is suggesting that someone very close to the former president is engaging with the committee. Before you hear that answer, just just real quickly, what was discussed there? We have inside an insider came to us with information. Have you ever heard anything like this happen before? How many times do we hear in the past, recent and far past, anything like that coming out of anybody that's a Democrat? How many times have we heard it and we find out later it's not true? Almost every time. We're still waiting for that brain surgeon from California, Adam Schiff. I mean, just weeks ago, I heard him on national television say, we have uncontroverted proof, evidence that Donald Trump and his campaign colluded with Russia and took advantage of that help, assistance from Russia to beat Hillary Clinton in 2016. Put that in the context of they impeached him twice. Where was the evidence that was uncontroverted and proved that Trump did it? That's the way Democrats roll, folks. No names given here. Now, listen to how critical is that information, that evidence that Donald Trump was an insurrectionist. He's sitting in the Oval Office watching the insurrection. And we were told that his daughter twice came in and said, Daddy, stop it. Now, let me just be a realistic man right now. How in the heck was anybody, even the president of the United States, who's a mile and a half away from what's going on, how is he going to stop it? (laughs) Uh, To be honest with you, a huge part of it had nothing to do with conservatives that were there exercising their First Amendment rights. It was all manipulated by the left, the Democrats. We now if you listened to the show with Steve Baker yesterday, a national news magazine, and I won't name it here, on Monday released that there is a whistleblower from the Department of Justice that said during that January 6th insurrection, riot, whatever you want to call it, the FBI had planted dozens of planes clothes FBI officers armed in the crowd and they were going around inciting MAGA people to get violent. Do you think we'll ever get all the truth? I don't think we will, but let me tell you what we do have. We have enough right now to accurately determine that that whole thing, if it wasn't entirely in large part, was manipulated, was organized, was structured, and it happened the way it happened? Because it was planned and organized and orchestrated by Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. 
Right, you're absolutely right. This is consequential, Fred. I mean, up until this point, the committee has run into some pretty high-profile roadblocks with Steve Bannon and Mark Meadows refusing to cooperate, Trump suing in court to prevent the committee from getting access to a number of documents. But they've also conducted hundreds of private depositions. They've collected thousands of documents and records. And it is clear, based on what Liz Cheney revealed this morning, that someone close to Trump is talking and revealing some pretty specific information about his actions that day. Uh, it's also clear that the committee is starting to zero in on those 187 minutes that Trump was publicly silent while his supporters breached the building. We're starting to learn a lot more about what he did and did not do during that period of time. Take a listen to what Benny Thompson, the chairman of the committee, told our Dana Bash this morning. We have significant testimony that leads us to believe that the White House had been told uh, to do something. Uh, we want to verify all of it so that when we produce our report and when we have the hearings, uh, the public will have an opportunity uh, to see for themselves. The big question, of course, is whether that inaction is criminal in any way. Benny Thompson said that is still something they are working to determine. But if they find that a criminal act was committed, Benny Thompson said they have no problem making a criminal referral to the Department of Justice. Mm. And Melanie, I mean, this committee says it's gearing up for public hearings relatively soon. What do we know about the plans in the coming weeks or perhaps months? Yeah, so the committee has been conducting a lot of its work behind closed doors, but they plan to take this into a much more public phase. There's going to be an interim report in the fall, uh, or in the summer, excuse me, with an, a final report in the fall. And they also are planning to conduct public hearings. We could hear from state and local election officials, uh, DOJ officials who tried to overturn the election or were pressured to do so, the National Guard troops. I think another big question is whether any Republican lawmakers who were in contact with Trump will come and testify. If they don't come voluntarily, though, Bonnie, Benny Thompson said subpoenas are certainly on the table, Fred. All right, Melanie Zanona, thank you so much from Capitol Hill. Appreciate that. That's just an example. Did you notice they were breathless? Oh, we have someone credible inside the White House that said the president sat watching this insurrection happen, and they even urged him, including his daughter, to stop it, and he didn't do it. Now, we've got to find out if legally... His not doing that was a criminal act. Well, let me just throw a little fly in your ointment. What about this president of the United States allowing, suborning the mass ignoring of federal immigration laws that the act of ignoring the prosecution of those who break the law with impunity because the president says it's okay and they come in and 150 Texans were murdered by those people? That's factual. There's evidence to prove that. So a anonymous member in the White House administration of Donald Trump apparently came forward and said, well, Trump was urged to stop it, and he didn't do anything about it. Even if he could, folks, even if he could, wouldn't that be the responsibility of the law enforcement division of our federal government? Did not Donald Trump reach out to the National Guard days before 
the January 6th event and request that the city of Washington see an influx of National Guard members in anticipation of if something happened. They then reached out to the person who is over all of the Capitol stuff that goes on, whoever the reigning Speaker of the House is, Nancy Pelosi, and she said, nope, we're not going to go there. Nobody's, nobody's question. nobody, you didn't hear anything in that report. Why didn't Nancy Pelosi, why didn't she have the National Guard there? She could have stopped this if she had the National Guard there. Listen to the show yesterday. Listen to the facts and you'll hear some more evidence that shows what we're seeing and hearing, folks, ain't really what's happened and it ain't really what's happening right now. Joe Biden's got some big news for you next, and it's about COVID-19. It's a lot to take in, but when you need a refresher, it's all here. 24-7, 365. Every podcast, every blog. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. How to improve your dining room by the Home Depot. New wood floors, new paint on the walls. Sure, you know us for that. But how about a new dining room table, matching chairs, bar stools? How about free and flexible delivery with easy online returns? Now you can explore decor in a whole new way. Save now on furniture. Everything for your home. Everything from homedepot.com. How doers get more done. U.S. only valid through September 7th. Limitations apply. Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian, but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. It starts by teaching you words and phrases. Then, sentences gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations about real-life topics. Babbel is created by language experts who use the space repetition method to help you learn quickly and remember what you learned. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel. Language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. This is the truth your mama warned you about. TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And Dan Newman. You can't stand the truth. Oh my gosh, I, I I knew we were headed for bad territory when we normalize use of the truth this way. Well, you have your truth and I have my truth. And that became okay to believe that. Well, when that became okay to believe that, I knew we were in deep doo-doo as a nation because there's no such thing. Truth exists in a vacuum. It is what it is. And it is not subject to interpretation. So I don't know if you heard overnight, but in all of the uproar about the celebration or the monumental event about the one-year anniversary of January 6th and the insurrection, 
it was very quietly pointed out that President Biden is changing his COVID-19 strategy. Forget about all of his promises. Forget about those campaign commitments. As a matter of fact, the only commitments that Joe Biden made during his campaign that he has fulfilled have to do with shutting down life for Americans in a numerous number of executive orders, like canceling the XL pipeline permits, stopping drilling on public-owned lands for exploring for oil. All of that in, in tandem with the, all the other stuff he did through executive action, that's why we have the inflation we have today. That's why gasoline costs what it does. That's why groceries cost what it does. But he can change his mind. It's okay. Six members of the advisory board that worked with President Biden during that transition period before he took office, those same six in mass are now calling on him to change his approach to the COVID-19 pandemic than the one he is still using, which is, I'm going to kill COVID-19. I'm going to kill COVID-19. So a series of opinion articles posted by the Journal of the American Medical Association in that, Drs. Ezekiel Emanuel, Michael Osterholm, Celine Gounder, David Michaels, Rick Bright, and Luciano Borio offered some various suggestions for how the president should move forward now. As the Omicron variant demonstrates COVID-19 is here to stay. That's Doctors Emanuel, Osterholm, and Gounder wrote in a piece in which they say Biden's national strategy for COVID-19 response, they call it updated, but it's got to be, it's got to be fixed. The goal for the new normal, hey, 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 that's a great original term. The goal for the new normal, they say, with COVID-19 does not include eradication or elimination as the zero-COVID strategy said. Neither COVID vaccination nor infection appear to confer lifelong immunity, they wrote. (laughs) That's a really slick way to say it ain't working. (laughs) Current vaccines do not offer sterilizing immunity against SARS-CoV-2 infection. Infectious diseases cannot be eradicated when there is limited long-term immunity following infection or vaccination or non-human reservoirs of infection. I'm going to tell you what all this means in just a, just a second. Hang tight. The new normal, they explain, should be recognizing that SARS-CoV-2 is but one of several circulating respiratory viruses that include influenza, respiratory virus, RSV, and more. They noted that people have been living normal lives while facing the threat of those other respiratory illnesses, and they must learn to view the threat of COVID-19 as just another one. Kind of like the flu. But wait a minute. Still, they made clear that this, while it's a goal, COVID-19 is currently more serious than the other illnesses in terms of hospitalizations and fatalities. What constitutes appropriate thresholds for hospitalizations and death at what cost and with what trade-offs, that remains undetermined, they said. And they made a suggestion to the president. Put in place infrastructure that includes real-time electronic collection of comprehensive information 
on respiratory viral infections, hospitalizations, deaths, disease-specific outcomes, and immunizations merged with socio-demographic and other relevant variables. You know what that's called? That whole long thing that they should do? It's called the CDC. It's called the Centers for Disease. That's what it's called. It's already in existence, and they're supposed to already be doing that, and they give us numbers all the time. What they need to say is, hey, guys, we need to stop the lies and just give the American people the truth. They say this system would collect data at the national, state, and local levels like the CDC does, as well as from various academic institutions, labs, and healthcare systems like the CDC does. Additionally, they said there should be a permanent public health implementation workforce to address ongoing problems and emergencies. This would include public agency workers and an increase in school nurses. They also call for creating pathways to increase telemedicine and the ability for doctors to practice and bill in different states. All of what you just heard right there, it's already in place. It has been for years. What they're trying to do is give President Biden something else he can come back to Congress and say, we need billions, hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars We've got to redo the whole healthcare system because of COVID-19. I'm the guy. If, if I can't kill COVID, it can't be killed. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said she'd not read those articles when she was asked about it yesterday, but she insisted Biden's goal is still to defeat the virus. The president's focus and objective is to save as many lives as possible, she said. And we know what works, and we know that pushing more people, getting more people vaccinated, getting more people boosted, encouraging mask wearing, making sure schools have the resources they need to stay open and do that in a safe way. These are the steps that work. Why aren't they working, Jen? Why aren't they working? $150 billion given to schools? to do whatever retrofitting and stuff they needed to do so our kids could go back to school. President Biden, for a year, we've got to open up our schools. We've got to open up our schools. To do that, we got to send them money, $150 billion. Chicago got $3 billion to retrofit their schools so that kids could go back to school and be safe. Teachers could go back and be safe. In-person learning. What's happening in Chicago? They ain't in school. Why not? Well, they didn't have time and they didn't have the resources to do all the retrofitting. Well, you had $3 billion. What'd you do with it? Uh, I don't know. Oh, my gosh. But let me tell you what Joe is doing. I'm not saying he did it with those Chicago dollars, but he's diverting coronavirus funding away from Americans and is using it to fly border crossers, illegal aliens, into the United States interior. Biden has been accused of using Pennsylvania as a transportation spot for border crossers and illegals where flights are chartered in coordination with the Department of Homeland Security. Alejandro Mayorkas, secretary. He's the guy. 
Most recently, former Representative Lou Barletta, a Republican now running for governor in Pennsylvania, accused Biden of flying border crossers and illegals to eastern communities in the state. Barletta said this, First, we had to discover ourselves that illegals were being shipped into northeast Pennsylvania on at least four charter flights, but then when people demanded information, the flights were shifted to the Lehigh Valley, and they just hoped nobody would notice that. This week, in statements to the media, Democrat Governor of Pennsylvania Tom Wolf, he confirmed Biden's secret migrant flights to Pennsylvania, but he excused them as merely a stopping point for passengers' final destination. Well, what is the final destination? Well, that remains unknown. Representative Dan Muser, Republican of Pennsylvania, sent a letter to the Biden administration asking for information on the secret migrant flights. He said Biden was actually siphoning funds allocated for coronavirus testing and using it to fly border crossers and illegals into the U.S. The idea that they would do this, attempt to do it secretly, clandestinely in the middle of the night, there were two flights that came in on Christmas night in the evening at 9 o'clock at night. The Biden administration has helped entice nearly 2 million border crosses and illegal aliens to arrive at the southern border in just 2021. 2 million. In addition, his administration estimates that about half a million illegals successfully crossed into the U.S. undetected. Meanwhile, as of late October, Biden has released more than half a million border crossers and illegals into the interior of the U.S. This number includes the tens of thousands of unaccompanied alien children who have been dispersed to states like Pennsylvania. I don't know what cause or what process former President Trump might have used to do something on this larger scale bypassing the U.S. Congress. But just for a second, if the roles were reversed, um, if the Democrat Party and everybody in it were Republicans, and all the Republicans that are in Congress now were Democrats, and Trump was in the White House and was doing what Alejandro Mayorkas and Joe Biden are doing, opening up the gates, the borders, and just letting these illegals come in here, what would the party do? They would certainly, I mean, they impeached Donald Trump and then twice tried to get him out of office and presented all kind of lies and false evidence and reports and testimonies to try to justify it. Thankfully, the Senate did not find him guilty either time because he wasn't. Even with that egregious 24-7 lockdown, misinformation, bad, bad orange man, Trump, Trump, evil, authoritarian, dictator, all those things were used for four years, folks. Thankfully, the people's representatives reached up and said, no, that's not what's happening. If Trump had tried to do something this egregious, totally ignoring federal law, I mean, again and again, you know, folks, forget about the money it's cost American taxpayers for what Biden's allowed to happen and suborned it himself every day. Every time Alejandro Mayorkas appears before Congress, he gives them information and says, 
This was approved by the Biden White House. This is the instructions from the Biden White House. A president of the United States is telling probably one of, if not the most important department of his administration to ignore federal law and just do what the president and others of his party say they want done, and it's happening. In addition to all the money, thousands of Americans have been killed. Thousands of businesses have been destroyed because of this kind of operation, and that's okay. There are so many things in this pandemic that we have no idea what's going on. They are hiding facts, keeping it from us. Here's one that has been out there for a while. I've never heard anybody talk about it. Babies who were born during the first year of our COVID-19 pandemic, they had lower developmental scores compared to pre-pandemic babies. Can you believe that? A group of researchers in New York City, they studied 255 infants born between March and December of 2020, including 114 whose moms had COVID during pregnancy. That study found out some born during the pandemic experienced slight developmental delays. Overall, compared with 62 infants born before the pandemic, the babies born during the health crisis had slightly lower scores on tasks that involve large muscles, tasks requiring small muscle movements and personal interactions. Both exposed and unexposed infants born during that period had much lower scores on gross motor, fine motor, and personal social subdomains compared with the historical cohort of infants born before the pandemic. The developmental trajectory of an infant begins before birth. With potentially millions of infants who may have been exposed to COVID in your utero, and even more mothers just living through their stress of the pandemic, there's a critical need to understand the neurodevelopmental effects of the pandemic on future generations. Wouldn't you think it would be very important for us to get to the bottom of that story and get the facts? We're talking about our babies. We're talking about the next couple of generations of Americans. And if we're allowing something to happen that feeds into this diminished capabilities, don't you think we'd want to change that? I mean, I, th- I, I just think it would, I think it would be very important to do. Regarding other COVID news, I'm sure you heard this. Today, in oral arguments before the United States Supreme Court, attorneys general for the states of Missouri and Louisiana are arguing before the Supreme Court against, against the vaccine mandates by OSHA and also vaccine mandates for American health care workers. And um, Jeff Landry, the Attorney General of Louisiana, I heard an interview with him. This is a very controversial thing, but i got to be honest with you. I think, I think the Supreme Court is going to act very quickly on it because of the timing and the importance. I think January 10th, I mean, we're talking about three days. That's when the OSHA health care vaccine mandate goes into effect. I think they're going to stop it. I think they're going to say they're unconstitutional. I think the only potential shred of a possibility of them uh, backing these vaccine mandates would come if they can make 
the people that are supporting these mandates that appear before the court, if they can make justification in the minds of the justices that in the name of national public health, this has to be done. That's going to be a tough hill to climb. Why is it going to be tough? Because so much is out there that proves the vaccines aren't effective. They're not working. In fact, they are hurting in many ways more people than they are saving, even if they're saving people. The facts don't line up to support the confirmation of the viability and the legality of these vaccine mandates. We're watching that very closely. And uh, if we get any of it, if we hear anything about it before we go off the air, we'll bring it to you. But that's going on this morning, and it's going to be a big deal. It'll be covered heavily. Oh, it'll be covered really heavily if the Supreme Court rules against the mandates for vaccines. And the simple justification, the only one that I can think of, because they can't use, well, people are going to die if they're not vaccinated. (laughs) Well, almost as many people are dying from the vaccinated as are dying from the unvaccinated. They won't give us the stats anymore. The CDC quit reporting the infections that happen among the vaccinated and the deaths that happen under the vaccinated people. They won't report that because they told us from the beginning, if you get vaccinated, not only are you not going to die, you're not going to get sick. And they were wrong, dead wrong. Here's what I'm positive of. When we get the whole truth about all this, and we'll get it, when we get the whole truth, we're going to find out that probably more people have died than they are reporting have died And we're going to find out that a massive, more larger, much larger number of people have died that were vaccinated than we've heard because they've been hiding it. They've been hiding it. Speaking of vaccines, a New York public school science teacher has been arrested after she was accused of vaccinating a 17-year-old student without parental consent. This happened out on Long Island, Nassau County Police, Police said in a news release that Laura Parker Russo appeared to give a student a dose of what appeared to be a COVID-19 vaccine at her home on Long Island. The teenager, who has not been publicly identified, later told his mom after he went home and the mother called the cops. Russo was arrested New Year's Eve, noting that the teacher at Herrick's High School in New Hyde Park is not authorized to administer vaccines. The mother had not given permission or authority to have her son injected with a vaccine and called the cops. The department added that after it conducted a thorough investigation, they also found out Russo is not a medical professional or authorized to administer vaccines. And she could get four years in jail if she's convicted of that under New York state law. Just an interesting tidbit I threw in there. Well, our favorite element in healthcare, the favorite guy, the COVID god, Anthony Fauci, he finds himself in something of um, a tizzy. Americans are now being told to go with the flow. Go with the flow. That's actually the term that's been being used. As Anthony Fauci abandons the concept of ever being a fully vaccinated America. We're using the terminology now, keeping our vaccination up to date. 
rather than what fully vaccinated means, Fauci said during an NIH lecture yesterday. Right now, optimal protection is with a third shot of an mRNA or a second shot of Johnson & Johnson, he said. The new level of Fauci speak had not reached the CDC and prevention as of today, this morning, the technical definition of fully vaccinated, two doses of an mRNA vaccine or one dose of the J&J vaccine has not changed, according to the CDC spokesperson. Individuals are considered fully vaccinated once they have received their primary series. Well, I can tell you what's happening here. Fauci says, nah, 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 nah. that doesn't fit the narrative. The narrative is, we got to get you vaccinated. We got to get you boosted. And how many boosts you're going to have to have, we don't know yet. But you may have to have one every six months or so, they said at the very beginning. And then they've changed it to, well, as needed. And now they're saying, probably going to have to have those for the rest of your life. And so Fauci looks bad because I know it comes as a surprise to you. Something he said turns out to be untrue. Gosh, how could that happen? Dr. Fauci, he is a pillar of factual information, right? (laughs) Wrong. So he's got to find a way to try to make himself look if not good, at least not as stupid as he appears to really be when you start looking and listening at all the stuff that he says. I'm not being negative about it, folks. I'm being factual. Now, there is a lot of uproar about this school closure stuff happening around the nation. And guess what? Uncle Joe has actually weighed in with that. Hmm. We'll hear about what he's saying about All the money that's been spent by the federal government to facilitate the reopening of schools. And all around the nation, they're saying, because of the teacher unions, I mean, there's no big deal in this for teachers. Folks, they get paid. They sit at home on their butts. If they're doing online learning, all they do is turn on their computer and talk to their students who have their computers on, and they give them online lessons to do. But they get paid full pop. And they get to stay home in their pajamas. (laughs) More about that in just a moment. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied. The flavor is decadent. The touch, divine. And the drive? Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury. Not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. Mm-hmm. 
in a chainsaw. So, Miss Harris, what makes you think you're a good fit with us here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky? Oh, sir, there are so many reasons. I specialized in research and theoretical studies for several years at the Southampton Institute, mm-hmm. preceded by intensive graduate studies at Syracuse. <laughs> Certainly, my skills are well-suited for a position here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky? Oh, thanks. A job interview and a root canal on the same day. Want to get away? Get the heck out of there with Southwest Airlines. Fly coast to coast for $99 or less by November 3rd. It was nice meeting you, sir. Yes, we'll get back to you soon. Soon. Southwest Airlines, a symbol of freedom. Call 1-800-IFLY-SWA. This song always reminded me of a Western movie. You know... Down in Mexico, cowboy movie, Cisco Kid, that's the name of the song. That has absolutely nothing to do with the day. Hey, it's Friday, folks. We have a weekend coming up. What do you got going on this weekend? Let me ask you, are there any good movies that are just coming out? I know there are some movies that are coming out, new ones, but are, are there any really good new ones? We need another Mission Impossible. We need Tom Cruise back in... Uh, Uh, The Jet again. I mean, Top Gun, absolutely one of the best movies ever. And even if you're not a Tom Cruise fan, which a lot of people aren't, primarily not because of his acting, but because of his private life, um, he always does really good movies, almost always. There's some stinkers out there, but most of his stuff is really good. We need, as I said, a Mission Impossible, and we need to find out what the heck is going to happen with Agent 007, James Bond. And we know Bond's going to retire, and there's going to be a female 007. I think it's going to be 007, but somebody that's going to replace him. But we need something significant like that. I'm looking for When I was a kid, I was a, and still am a voracious reader. It nauseates my wife how much time I spend with my nose in a computer screen or reading a book. And I, I've, I found a, an easy way when I was a kid living in South Louisiana. If you, anybody that's not familiar with South Louisiana, when May rolls around, it starts getting to temperatures in the high 90s and every once in a while over 100. But what makes it worse is the relative humidity gets to 100%. So when you're outside as a kid, you want to play and do all kind of activities, which we did. We always did. But moms typically in our neighborhood especially made sure the kids were home for lunch at noon. And then sometimes mom would say, look, just stay inside for an hour or two after lunch just to cool off. They didn't want us dehydrating, but that wasn't what they told us. They just knew that being out in the sun all day with the heat and humidity wasn't good for us health-wise. So I turned to books. Now, we had a bookmobile that every Thursday would come to our subdivision, and we could go on the bookmobile and check out books. And I found all kinds of different segments of literature that I loved during those summers. And I would throw myself into a story, a novel that I was reading, or a biography that I was reading. And I always read way ahead of my level just because I read so much and understood because I immersed in it so much. I mean, 
repetition gives us the ability to do more than we could normally do if we don't do it over and over and over again, right? And that includes reading. And I like movies that do the same thing. I love movies, not just that have good actors, not just that have good film work done, you know, the cinematography and all that. I'm not looking for just that. I'm looking for, first of all, having a great plot and having whatever actors in it can sell me that they're really in the part that they're portraying there. That's what actors are supposed to do. Sadly, today, too many movies, they say they're going to do those kind of things, but the elements are missing. Same thing in books today. I can only take so many documentaries, so many nonfiction books. I've got to, I've got to spill in a, uh, just a good fiction piece every once in a while just so I can fall into it and quit thinking objectively about what I'm reading and just enjoy it. You got all that for nothing. That may tell you, give you a little bit of perspective of how I look at the world around us now. I'm a, I'm, I'm a skeptical uh, realist, but I lean towards being positive more often than being negative. Does that kind of tell you what kind of person I am? If I don't know somebody and I meet them, especially if it's in business, I don't just fall into whatever they're talking about or whatever they're wanting to do, if it's a business deal or something like that. But I look and listen, and I find out everything that I can find out about them before I draw my opinions. That's not only about me. That's about others. It's not right for us to determine the basis or the worth of the person or persons we're dealing with if it's only based upon our initial perceptions. That's not right. You don't want other people... to do you that way, why is it okay for you to do that to someone else? Give them the benefit of the doubt. And I live by that old thing, keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer. When I determine that somebody that's in my life for whatever reason or reasons, public, business, social, whatever, and I I confirm that there's something in there that is just not right, and I determine that it's real and that it's negative to me, I don't just push them away and have nothing to do with them. I keep them at arm's length, but I stay engaged because you want to know what your opponents or those that are opposite of you in their thinking in your world, in your circle of influence, you want to know what the heck they're doing all the time. That's just being smart, right? That's not being uh, negative. It's being realistic. It's being smart and making sure that who's ever in this, whatever it is together with you, are like-minded and are being honest and are pulling the load of their part, whatever it is. Once again, you got that for nothing. Mayor Lori Lightfoot in Chicago. She's received pretty much far more backing from the White House, from this White House, than have most other mayors in America. And she said two days ago that all schools in Chicago got to remain open. And the administration backed her up. But the teachers union has stood far on its demands and Chicago schools, public schools announced late Wednesday classes would not take place either in person or remotely. 
yesterday. We apologize for the disruption that the union's illegal work stoppage is causing for your family. That's from Chicago Schools CEO Pedro Martinez in a letter to parents. While Chicago Public Schools voted earlier this week to teach virtually until the number of COVID cases got lower or Chicago officials acquiesced to various demands, some teachers have been choosing to report to work anyway. Some schools have enough staff to return to in-person classes as soon as Friday. At schools where many teachers haven't been showing up, parents may get materials for students to use at home in the coming days. Well, Mayor Lightfoot told a press conference she will not allow the union to take our children hostage. She took issue with the union demanding that all educators, all students, all volunteers test negative for COVID-19 before returning to school. We're not going to rob parents of their rights and their obligation to tell us if they want testing or not on their children. It's not going to happen. It's morally wrong, she said. And she got a bunch of backing from the White House. Well, the teachers union president, Jesse Sharkey, in an email to union members, I'm sorry, this is the Chicago Teachers Association, in a email that went out to union members late Wednesday said negotiations are only now beginning in earnest and that the union filed an unfair labor practice charge claiming school officials are violating a memorandum of agreement reached back in August of last year. They falsely claim we're engaging in an illegal strike when we want to teach but can't because they've locked us out. This is the teachers' union now. We have rights to safety, and we've been at the bargaining table for 20 months to secure those rights. We haven't shifted the goalpost one bit. In fact, we've been saying the same thing for months. Please, work with us to set up comprehensive testing, work with us to vaccinate students, and work with us to establish basic guard rules. This document outlines how the mayor's team has rejected those offers at every turn, Sharkey said. Without these mitigations, we know that Chicago public school buildings aren't safe. By sticking together and demonstrating the strength of our solidarity of the mayor and all of Chicago, we can win the safety that Chicago students and parents deserve, he added. Now, you got to understand what you're talking about here. City of Chicago, $3 billion to upfit facilities to make sure the safety that is in the contract between the teachers union and the Chicago Education Department that those are complied with. $3 billion. We've been in a pandemic now for a year a full year, actually a little more than a year when you start talking about it. Almost two years, actually. We're in year three, calendar year three of the pandemic, so it's two years. We know a lot, but we also know that we don't know a lot. But one thing we do know is throwing money at it is not fixing anything. Do you understand that in the COVID bills, the giveaway bills that have been passed and funded, even teachers' unions, have, this one, have gotten millions of dollars of U.S. taxpayer funds for whatever reason or reasons to use. But principally, it was to take whatever preparations are necessary, put them in place, implement them, get our kids back to school. Okay, we've got it. Now they're saying, well, 
They haven't done what they were supposed to do. And so we're not going to come back to teach. Our teachers aren't. And that's not an illegal action because you violated the memorandum we all agreed to back last year. When you ever wonder why something's going on, what do we tell you if you, if you think it's evil? Follow the money. The love of money is the root of all evil. And look what $3 billion has done for Chicago in getting Chicago kids back in school. They're not in school today. They're not in school today. Why are they not in school today? It has nothing to do with not getting financial support from who? From you and me. My kids don't go to Chicago schools, never did. My All three of our children went through and graduated from public schools and got great educations and we appreciate what they did and they went there based upon some of our tax dollars that we paid to the state and the local governments in Louisiana. That's the way it's supposed to be. But folks passing out dollars and cents in the numbers that we have been doing, there's no good thing that has come of it. Nothing good has come from it. Nothing good can happen when you give somebody a bunch of money with no responsibility, no accountability, and they tell us, and they don't even try to hide it, hundreds of billions of dollars of COVID relief money is gone. It's gone. No accounting for it. And it's it's almost like they knew it was going to happen. It's like, oh, we know, you know, this $2 trillion we spent, we're going to lose $100 billion or so to people that are stealing. Even overseas, we're hearing. People fraudulently filed claims from overseas and got hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars, but that's okay. You know, we've got a great cause. We're trying to save the world. We got to kill COVID-19. Well, you know, what's not far around the corner, the biggest sports spectacle in America. What would that be? It'd have to be the Super Bowl, right? And this year coming up the Super Bowl 56, Going in at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California, the suburb of L.A. That's the biggest, most expensive stadium for NFL football in by far in the nation. And that's where Super Bowl's headed, right? Well, maybe not. And the NFL is looking around very quietly for some possibilities if California's egregious COVID-19 rules might not even allow the game to be played as planned at SoFi Stadium. A TV station in Fort Worth, WFAA, reported a Dallas Cowboys front office source told them the NFL is looking at AT AT&T Stadium in fan-friendly Arlington, Texas as a backup. Just in case lockdown happy California ratchets up the rulemaking as their COVID-19 cases continue to rise. The league did inquire about a date if the stadium is available, but that's all I've ever heard. They could just be covering all of their options just in case. Can you imagine with all the uproar and stuff that we've had, one of the things that have given Americans a little respite from all of this craziness, COVID and illegal immigration and all of that stuff, Afghanistan. I mean, there's been, folks, it's tiring what has happened on this president's watch. It's, it's horrible. 
And in the middle of all of that, we've been able to turn to sports, especially in the fall, football, baseball, Major League Baseball, the World Series. You know, we've had all that. And even our sports entertainment, which is our go-to thing to just take a little bit of time and not have to think about or worry about any of the problems going on that are surrounding us everywhere. And now even our sports are being pulled down politically and being manipulated and in some cases canceled for political partisanship, one narrative or another, and it has nothing to do with COVID-19 and it's not fixing COVID-19. We're talking about the Super Bowl. Do you know that hundreds of billions of dollars of taxpayer money are on the line about this Super Bowl coming up in L.A.? And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But somebody's got to pay a price. More news coming out about this Omicron variant. A new Canadian study found that two-dose mRNA vaccines are not protective against Omicron. While data from Denmark show reinfections among two-dose vaccine recipients have surpassed those of the unvaccinated. There you go. You didn't hear that from the CDC. They know that. They knew it all along. They're not reporting it. Why? Because it makes Fauci look like an idiot. Biden's off-peated belief that COVID-19 remains a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's running headlong into global data on the real-world performance of vaccines against the Omicron variant, which the CDC estimates now accounts for 19 in 20, 19 of 20 in every U.S. infections. A new study by Ontario Canada's public health agency and health researchers at Canadian universities, they found that the two-dose mRNA vaccines, that's Pfizer and Moderna, are not protective against the new variant. While the booster shot only improves effectiveness to 37%, that's in a stark contrast to the 93% effectiveness against the Delta variant among vaccinated and boosted individuals seven or more days later. Researchers reviewed provincial data on 3,400 Omicron positives, 9,200 Delta positives, and 471,000 test negative controls. There were very important differences between the populations testing positive for each variant. Omicron cases were 10 years younger on average, more likely to be male, two-dose vaccinated, and less likely to have any comorbidities or even a booster relative to controls. Delta cases were far less likely to be vaccinated at all relative to controls. Digging further into the preprint, which hasn't been peer-reviewed yet, but it will be, California-based epidemiologist Tracy Hogue was floored that two-dose vaccinations actually reduced protection from reinfection by Omicron, 38%, 42% at the end of eight months. And here's what Hogue tweeted. This is what I wanted to get to. Why mandate? Why even mandate vaccines if they don't work? Well, politically, it gives you power over the people. That would be why this administration is pushing them so heavily and why people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer 
why they're pushing it so heavily, because when they lock down the people, it furthers their push to have an authoritarian government in total control without telling people it's authoritarian, maintaining the lie that they tell us now, it's democracy. What they do is democracy. But in a democracy, folks, leaders can't do whatever they want to with impunity, especially when it's against its own citizens. This kind of stuff has got to stop. Hey, listen, weekend coming up. I want you to have a great weekend. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to uh, forget about the chaos. I'm not saying, you know, bury your head in the sand. not saying that at all. But what you need to do is look in tomorrow at our Saturday bullet point story. We don't go to sleep on a weekend. We're going to find any of the big stuff that you need to know about, and it will be included in our Saturday bullet points. And if there's something big that happens after that, we need to get into it. We'll revise those uh, for Sunday's show, and you'll get another email if you have subscribed that tells you, hey, there's an update, and it'll take you right to it. Stay informed with the important things. We love you. We love what we're doing here and wouldn't think about doing it with all of you. And if you hadn't listened to yesterday's show, TNN Live, make sure that you do. Go to Apple Podcasts. That's the easiest spot. Click on TNN Live and yesterday's show with Steve. Have a great weekend, folks. For a while, to love was all we could do. We were young and we knew in our eyes were alive. Deep inside we knew our love was true. For a while, we paid no mind to the past. We knew love would last every night. Something right would invite us to begin the day. Love into you. Some-